Hello, and welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for, honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name, what matters. Okay, hello and welcome. I am so thankful that you have decided to join me for this episode. Today on the Let It Matter podcast, I am joined by author Karen Wright Marsh to talk all about her brand new book, Wake Up to Wonder, and what she calls a spirituality of amazement and finding the glory in the everyday. Before we dive in, if this podcast has been um, a resource or a blessing in your life, would you consider taking just a moment to pause the episode and make sure you are subscribed or following this podcast wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts, as well as following the show on Twitter or Instagram, on Twitter at Let It Matter Pod, on Instagram at Let It Matter Podcast. That um, would be such a huge help. All of these things, the sort of um, analytics and statistics are uh, so vital to the growth and the guests and the goodness of this podcast. Um, Your support does mean the world to me, so I would appreciate it. Let me introduce Karen to you for those of you who may not be familiar with her yet. Karen Wright Marsh is the founding director of Theological Horizons, a ministry at the University of Virginia that hosts lectures, spiritual studies, dialogues, and mentoring initiatives. She is the author of Vintage Saints and Sinners, 25 Christians Who Transformed My Faith, which was named an Outreach Resource of the Year, a Logos Bestsellers Book of the Year, and a Forward Indies finalist. Karen holds a degree in philosophy from Wheaton College and a degree in linguistics from the University of Virginia. She lives with her professor husband, Charles Marsh, at the Bonhoeffer House in Charlottesville, Virginia. Now let's get into the show. Okay, Karen Wright Marsh. Thank you so much for joining me on the Let It Matter podcast today. I really am so excited to get to talk to you about this. This book was right up my alley. Um, And so welcome. I'm so happy to have you. Kelly, I'm thrilled to be with you to wake up to wonder. I'm curious to know, what does that mean to be up your alley? This, I am, I too, and this is part of my first question, but I too am a collector of stories and curator of historical Christian practices. Um, And it's uh, in a large way, a lot of women from the Bible and from early church um, and church history, I I collect their stories and I, you know, demythologize them. I write about them. I teach about them. I develop curriculum and teach in my church, et cetera. Um, But not just women. I I just am, uh, I have always, I have often found myself most rooted to my faith in ancient practices where I feel like I am borrowing the faith of uh, our forebears a little bit, (laughs) walking on ground that they tread for us. Um, And so, man, when I saw the premise of this book, I was just like, ah! I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get I started. I devoured it. Oh, let's good. get started. So, it, can you set up this conversation sure. about how you became yeah. um, what you call a collector of stories and curator of historical Christian practices reframed for the everyday? Absolutely. Um, so, what was sort of your journey to the idea for the premise of this book? Well, I um, live and work here by the University of Virginia. Um, I direct Theological Horizons. This is a a Christian campus community ministry. Mm -hmm. And we and my husband, Charles Marsh, teaches religious studies. And so all day long, we're with um, young adults, college age, and they are all in different phases of crisis and drama as, as young people are. And I know that many have grown up in the church. Many are breaking apart their faith. Some are discovering faith. Um, some um, have declared themselves spiritual, but not religious. It's like every flavor, every approach. And sure. what I found early on years and years ago was that telling a story about a person of faith was 
a beautiful way of introducing the topic of the spiritual mm. life because what I what I didn't do was um, organize a Bible study because what I, mm. I mean, I tried it, but what I found as soon as we got into Bible study was there was different levels of knowledge. There mm. was a certain, um, there was variations of reverence to the text or problems with it. It just seemed always problematic to mm. get into a Bible study with a room full of people who sure. don't know, especially who don't know one another. And I also didn't want any barriers to participation so that if you don't know the Bible and you walk in and, you know, people are talking about about, um, I don't know, arguments for trans The blood of the lamb. Right. You're like, I don't, very right. jarring. Yeah, that's kind of shocking. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I started doing was telling stories of different people. So for every Friday for mm, like almost 20 years now, mm. I host a group that we call Vintage, um, which is not about wine. <laughs> it is about <laughs> old Christianity. And so, for example, um, I'll start with a story. Maybe it's the story of Augustine. And I'll take mm -hmm. seven, eight, ten minutes because um, 20-year-olds, you got to tell it fast and you got to be mm -hmm. um, got to be engaging. And I'll say, you know, sure. when Augustine was your age, he was this party animal at the University of Carthage, running away from his mother's religion, mm -hmm. you know, studying philosophy and rhetoric with all the cool kids and yeah. asking a whole lot of questions. Um, yeah. And today we're going to read a passage from Augustine. So I tell his story. I bring a handout. There's no preparation for this, mm -hmm. this conversation. And we just read it together and we have a conversation. So it might be, what's a, yeah, what's a question you're struggling with? Or what's the best question anyone's ever asked you? I mean, you can mm -hmm. ask anything and there's, yeah. there's no experience needed. There's no um, qualification. There's no faith required. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, the, the stories are interesting and I get to find out the quirky things about Augustine or Thomas yeah. Merton or, you know, Dorothy Day. And it yeah. also, I think what I've seen is it gives everybody a lot of room to be who they are. Yes. You know, so Dorothy Day was this radical you know, activist, social justice, mm -hmm. merciful, sacrificial, you know, extremist. Yes. So for a kid in the room who's mad about capitalism, you'll say, well, Dorothy Day said, if you have two yeah. coats in your closet, you know, one belongs to a poor person. Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden, like, oh, okay, maybe this Christian life has something here for me, right? Yeah. Or, um, you know, there are caregivers, there are intellectuals, there are nature lovers, you know, from the whole Christian yes. family. There's just a lot of variety. So that's that's my background with these stories. And the more I get into them, mm -hmm. um, the more I find and the more I find, the more I love. And then I think, too, um, these stories allow me to bring in voices that are different mm -hmm. from mine. So Amanda Berry Smith you know, who was born enslaved. Her father bought mm -hmm. her out of slavery in Maryland um, and was this incredible holiness preacher who traveled yeah. the world preaching. Like, I can I can tell her story um, and honor her and lift up her witness among people yeah. who never would have heard of her before. So she's just one example. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things to do um, is to, you know, like in the Women, Women of Valor series, I mentioned that I was, I had developed and was teaching. I, I, wanted to remind people these are not two-dimensional these are not story characters these are human women that lived yeah. and so for all the good we're going to say about them they were just flawed and complex and nuanced and um you know i would think about the daughters of zelophehad and in, in um in I think numbers and how like you know they did this amazing economic justice thing for women but they were probably bickering between each other and they were probably you know who's going to get what if we do get this land and how you know that sort of thing and so um, yeah. it's one of my I actually it's a practice I, I learned from Rachel Held Evans mm -hmm. was reading her book um, A Year of Biblical Womanhood and she wrote about having a memorial service for the women um, from the text of terror, oh. having a an actual service, she had friends over. They they honored these women as human beings who suffered horrific trauma, um, and read poems and did liturgy and um, art and things like that. And I just thought, gosh, like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, they were humans and they're not just story characters. Um, so I love I love that your book. Um, does that too i love what you said about about dorothy day like there's 
there's a lot to unpack there. She's wonderful and she's intense. And <laughs> what do you do with her? Yeah. And what do you do with her? Yeah. Um, I think even every college student that wants to rail against capitalism has more than two coats in their closet and then they get confronted. Exactly. With it's like, okay, so, right. It, it, it definitely. Not in Texas, a, maybe, but in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> but still, yeah, it's just challenges. Yeah. And these people, like some of them were, they loved the world too. I mean, they're not all mm-hmm. ascetics like she, sure. I think she really, really was, but someone like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who I love, he loved, mm-hmm. you know, he, he resisted Hitler, you know, he died for his faith as a martyr. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Gestapo killed him right before the liberation. I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his writings on community, on relationships, so many things, but he loved the world. He loved clothing. Mm-hmm. He would wrote, he wrote from prison asking his parents, would they send him some really <laughs> wonderful cigars? And uh, the, <laughs> the, the story is that he had yellow silk boxers and i i'm gonna go with that i believe that that is in fact true and yeah. his, his tennis whites i mean he loved clothes he loved um his friend Aberhard. Mm-hmm. you know he had worldly passions and that was part of his faith you know to yeah. to, to love the world of god so i think of saint francis and the way that I mean, my dog is named after saint francis he's my favorite saint um ah. because i am an animal lover a nature lover and uh And I love, I just love the way, you know, uh, uh, all creatures of our God and King. I love that whole idea, but that, um, you know, a lot of people may not find their way into worship through nature. They may come to appreciate nature because of God, you know what I'm saying? And so I love, um, I just, I just so appreciated so much about, about your book. I want to, if we can transition a little bit into why is wonder an important part of our spirituality, um, especially part of our everyday spirituality, not just sort of mountaintop experiences, absolutely. you know, Thursday night of youth camp. And yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think of um, Rabbi Heschel mm-hmm. um, saying, you, you know, something to the effect of, you know, the enemy of faith is not doubt, it's sort of indifference. Um, and he says that wonder to wake up to amazement, amazement and wonder is the heart of faith. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, everything is phenomenal. Everything is amazing. Um, this is the heart of religion. So that when we look around and we see we're present to our lives, to the universe, to the world, this is when we encounter God is mm-hmm. just in the small things um, and in the large things. Yeah. But um, he calls us to wonder as as an ethical practice, not just as mm. a luxury or as even as a, a mindfulness, an act of self-care, which it is, mm-hmm. but as a way of reckoning with the majesty of God and the gift that our lives are um, to us. Yeah. Uh, so I love it. It's a command to be mm. amazed and to, to wonder. I I love that and at the same time there's been seasons in my life particularly let's say during covid i was locked down by myself in my apartment for weeks and weeks and weeks couldn't see my nephews at the time i was you know lonely and i had just transitioned to a new faith tradition and then we couldn't go and so i felt really unmoored in my spirituality and justice issues just my justice meter was off the chart and and wonder felt like a betrayal of that pain like just it felt like Pollyanna you know the glad game they play yeah Yeah. (laughs) on Pollyanna so I wonder how you reconcile or could you just talk a little bit about that about like how do you pierce through that and where's the wonder even in those spaces yeah uh, I love that question and it has me thinking about a book um, by Dr. Keltner. He teaches at University of California, Berkeley. It's called mm. Awe. <laughs> and okay. he's a scientist of emotion. He's not a religious person. He states mm-hmm. that very clearly. But he studies emotions. And his latest book is on the science of awe and amazement and wonder. And mm. how all humans, like how good it is for our bodies, our minds, our spirits, that to be amazed is, it's an emotion that we feel. And he talks mm. about an awe as an encounter with vastness that challenges the way we experience the world or the way we understand mm. the world. And we use this vastness. He doesn't always mean, you know, a huge sunset. Sure. It can be that. But he, in his research, interviewed people and he would say, ask over and over, 
tell me about an experience of awe, of vastness that shifted your understanding and experience of the world, something like that. Mm-hmm. And of all the things that he heard about, he heard stories about uh, religious uh, encounters with the divine mm-hmm. by people, by uh, in experiences in nature, um, and experiences with music, maybe a big idea, epiphanies. He and designs visual beauty. Mm-hmm. The witnessing moral courage in another human was mm. the the experience of all that he heard reported wow. most often. So I think about justice movements when you yeah. see Fannie Lou Hamer, when you see someone standing up, speaking out um, at a rally, speaking for justice, like I was being say, brave. Thinking that summer of 2020, the, all the, yeah. the protests um, and seeing people of every race and nationality marching together, that was there was awe there. I was so moved by like the work the streets were doing. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it does that's make sense. And that's what I'm thinking about. Like that kind of awe, it's it's so outward because mm-hmm. what you're saying is like I see Kelly, you know, yeah. in her apartment locked down, you know, writing a letter to her yeah, senator. Yeah. Like that's an <laughs> you know, that's you're like that is calling beautiful. and cussing right. at them yeah, all voice. Yeah. yeah. All right. I've done <laughs> I was doing that too. But you know, I think that that wonder and awe of another human Come, especially and this idea Dr. Keltner again talks about collective mm-hmm. effervescence which I love this mm. so you know when you're marching or when you're dancing or when you're uh, taking you know participating in the Eucharist together um, mm. or you're singing together this collective energy that so I love that he's saying there's an evolutionary reason for experiencing awe and wonder it, you yeah. know it brings us together as mammals as humans Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it builds cooperation it it just it binds us together this collective effervescence so i love that because it's and he's recognizing the power of spiritual experience and the power of Mm -hmm. religion so for me as a religious person as a christian person of christ it's Mm -hmm. like see like this it's it, it this not only serves my intellectual um convictions but it, sure. it's good for me you know to be right in awe. Uh, and, <laughs> that's you great know, and i think too like we need it more than ever when you're when you're in fear and despair to be able mm-hmm. to kind of step into a moment of contemplation or pause or beauty mm-hmm. you know if francis your dog you you gaze into his eyes and you know you have a few yeah, minutes that's of true. connection like that that's when i got him yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's not pollyanna that's like survival um, yeah i think that's right so um thanks for i think what i was uh, like when i think of awe um or wonder like i feel i feel that way that, that worshipful wonder like when i see any video of an orca or like if I uh, see a massive beautiful sunset or if I get to have family night and my nephews are just giggling like crazy in the corner or something um, and I think of it as something sort of big and in- has to involve being out or other people um, and so I-, I appreciate you sort of bringing that in on like even a micro level that wonder is totally possible mm. just from you know just from within our minds to just sort of stir our minds in that direction. Yeah. Um, One of the things I particularly loved about your book is the sort of spaciousness, Mm. the generosity of the reframe um, for these practices and the way you consistently invite readers to adapt these invitations um, to what works for them and their lives where they are right now. Um, There's nothing worse than like getting super inspired by an, by a practice that's really taxing and you do it twice (laughs) and you've bought a new journal for it. (laughs) it, The journal collects dust and you have 50 journals with three pages written in. Um, That's not a personal story. Um, Uh, No. And it's usually got to happen at uh, five o'clock in the morning. At five in the morning. Gotta be the worst. (laughs) I started in January. Um, Could you say, a little yeah. bit about though the importance of that sort of reframing and adapting the spiritual practices so that they work for us sure sure well yeah it sounds like we have some similar experiences <laughs> um and for me growing up in my christian tradition 
spiritual disciplines is what we talked about. You mm-hmm, know, it was like mm-hmm. the quiet time in, in my, yeah. in the Presbyterian, that was always the biggest one, quiet but time. you know, all the different Christian uh, threads have their own, but you know, scripture, prayer, we know these are important, um, mm-hmm. important experiences. And, but disciplines always felt like a setup for failure. Like I knew mm-hmm. uh, that it was going to be hard. And, and I, I just, Yes, there's something to forming habits. There's and, and and disciplines are good when you're sure. getting ready to run a marathon. But I think there's also a lot of merit to trying things out, you know, and mm-hmm. finding what enlivens you, what's enjoyable. Like, why shouldn't it be fun or at least interesting? Yeah. Right. Um, and I also think with in my world again with a lot of university students. They're really, a lot of them are struggling with anxiety. They're struggling mm-hmm. with uh, the demands of their expectations, their parents, the, the, the sure. desire to be perfect, you know, and to have another regimen kind of laid on them, like, or even the promise of this is, this is going to fix you, or this will be the mm-hmm. success. Um, that's a lot. So I'm like, just take, just try for today to yeah. like, leave your phone in your backpack and walk to class and look at the sky. You know, these tiny, tiny things that that we can do, that we can choose to do, mm-hmm. um, and just see what that feels like, you yeah. know, or ask. And like, if you don't yeah. make it, tomorrow's always there. Yeah. It's, <laughs> all, right. it's just like, okay, fine. Like, that's not for you. Well, yeah. then how about, you know, um, taking a, an hour by yourself like take a walk in the woods without anybody i'll tell you mm-hmm. where the trail is like i can take you there we could take a walk together yeah you know yeah. it's like it's all around you go into the art museum at the mm-hmm. university and sit in front of a painting between mm-hmm. clock take 20 minutes just sit there yeah and look at it and just absorb it like it's so and i think this encouragement of it's here for you it's not complicated it's mm-hmm. not going to hurt the, at least these you don't have to choose a hard one you can choose an easy yeah. one um and i uh, appreciate what you were saying also about like you know i i think sometimes we get the idea that it has to be six hours long or we have to go on a silent retreat for a whole weekend or something i have adhd and so when my spiritual director first told me about centering prayer and said twice a day 20 minutes of silence that sounded like torture that did not sound life-giving at all because yeah. I would just be battling my thoughts the whole time. And that's not even the point of centering prayer, but right. you know what I'm saying? It just would be so exhausting. And and she was like, well, start with two. Uh-huh. See how two feels. I never moved past two, mm. but those two minutes yeah. are like really formative and they're something I look forward to. And, and I can do two twice a day. If I did five in the morning by the end of the day i'd be like oh i can't do it again yeah (laughs) you know and so even the idea that like you can take in wonder take it in like micro dose it if you have to Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly (laughs) well and how do you how i'm curious to know like how have you put even those two minutes take Mm -hmm. practice like how has that become a part of your life what's your trick well (laughs) Mm -hmm. um i it, it did take a long time. And I think it was asking my spiritual director over and over in that case, the, um, to, to s- do it with me, like on our calls. Right. Um, and at first I was saying like when I would, I was saying my repeated word out loud. And then if thoughts were coming, I would say those, mm. um, because she could tell when I would go, ah, Mm-hmm. And I'd try to like return back to, for people who can't see me. I would like shake my head real hard in frustration at myself yeah. for getting distracted. And that would be sort of how I would try to shake it out of my head and get back to my repeated word. Um, but she would go, wait a second. We're not doing judgment. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're just going to notice that you had those thoughts. We're going to like watch them as if they're in the river, just let them float by and you can just gently return to your word. It took a lot of practice of doing that. Um, but I've also, I had a, a recent guest on the podcast, Lisa Cologne delay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work, she's a spiritual director as well. Um, and I asked her like, what are your tips for people with ADHD or neurodivergence? Right. That, right. That like, 
these long contemplative practices aren't possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talked a lot about Brother Lawrence and practicing uh, the presence. Yes, and so I, I saw him on your like book. A, yeah, I was just <laughs> yeah. opening up to yeah, exactly. So I'm just and how like this book. Yeah. So what did she say about Brother Lawrence? Basically, just yeah. I, you know, I said it's not that I have one specific time of prayer a day. I just sort of, I just stay. You know, if I need something or if I'm frustrated or I'm like, oh, if I'm watching my nephews, Jesus, put your sandals on and come get Asher, you know, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. or, you know, uh, if I'm frustrated about something or if I'm if I'm hugging Frankie and he's just so precious and I just say, oh, thank you, Jesus, yeah. just real quick something. And so I just sort of stay in conversation. And she said, that's practicing the presence. Yeah, it's not it's not like a set apart time. It's just an ongoing conversation throughout the day. And that was really Mm -hmm. uh, freeing to feel like, oh, I am doing it and didn't realize it. (laughs) Right, exactly. Look at you, Kelly. Well, he talks about um, a brief little remembrance of God, Mm. which is so lovely. And he says, God is everywhere. We can speak to him wherever we are. Our hearts can speak to him in a thousand different ways. Mm -hmm. All we need is a little love and then living this way will not be difficult. But he also says, one is not a saint all of a sudden, hmm. which is so great. And he talks so about good. your thoughts. Um, he says to treat them like children, like toddlers. Like when your thoughts run away with you, it's <laughs> like, you know, like you wouldn't run it, like yell at Frankie because he like scampered over to play in the mud. You would just right. like go over and get him and sort of bring him yeah. back. And he says, like, right. just treat your thoughts. Like you just treat your thoughts like... The, yeah. the little wild children that they are with tenderness <laughs> and you know it's it's all right so I, I think brother lawrence is really good and i also think you know for people with um who struggle with attention which is actually mm-hmm. more and more of us uh because we're mm-hmm. being formed in that way is movement is so powerful mm. you know for me if i'm walking and if i have you know maybe music in mm-hmm. my ears or whatever, or I'm listening to Praise You Go, which is a podcast that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm moving and I'm walking, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm in a much better uh, place. I'm more receptive yeah. um, to this. I even feel like that with deep breaths. Like when I drop mm-hmm. down into my body and I'm connected with my whole body and I can say like, not just thank you to my body, but like, thank you, God. Yeah. For the, for my body, for your body, the church, you know, I, I often in, in the Eucharist to myself, I'll say, thank you for your body and your blood, your body, the church, and for my body, just as you've made it. Oh, um, yeah. And beautiful. like, but I, I, you know, I'm not out like uh, riding the Peloton, you know, a, a, for a three hours a day. Um, it's like yeah. trauma-informed yoga and just some like really um, intentional positioning or deep breaths or, um just taking a second to unclench your jaw, drop your shoulders, take a drink of water. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, I think we want to affirm the beauty of doing those things. You Mm -hmm. know, it feels like such a small thing to like, keep a bottle of water with you like who would call that a spiritual practice that's ridiculous she says as she's drinking but, a large yeah, right. i mean i left my water bottle downstairs that's what mm-hmm. i'm thinking of it but you know but wow i think there's so much uh possibility there if you think mm-hmm. like i would maybe i'll do this like put a sticker on my water bottle with a verse mm-hmm. about the you know the waters of baptism or mm-hmm. you know from genesis or whatever like i think these these different acts that we do in our bodies or in our lives can really deepen our theological understanding and our connections to God. And of course the, you know, I was just reading yesterday about the baptism of, of Jesus in the, in the river Jordan, like water, of course, it's like one of the big, big symbols of Judaism, of Christianity, of, of all faiths. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't drinking water sort of be a reminder or sort of a call back to that? Yeah. So yeah, one of my favorite favorite verses. It's a, in the Message translation in First Thessalonians five. It's sort of Paul's sign off, um, but the way it's translated is: "May God Himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master Jesus Christ." Um, I love though that emphasis on spirit, soul, and body, and holy and whole. Mm. Um, 
And so that's something that like that, that often just flash up, you know, in my head. Um, I could talk to you about this for hours. We should probably <laughs> probably move on because I do want to talk about specific examples okay. from the book. Sure. Um, and as we do that, listeners, I just want to remind you of the spacious and generous way about these invitations. And so what you're hearing, if it works for you, great. If um, you feel like that wouldn't, but I found, I think there's a way I could make it work, you know, go with God by all means. Um, so first of all, I'd love to talk about Thomas Merton. And mm. specifically, um, the invitation you write about to breathe with the breath of God mm. or breath prayers. Could yeah. you talk to us about Thomas Merton and that invitation? Yeah, absolutely. So Thomas Merton, who, again, with college students, he's such a great example of, you know, a person who came yeah. to college. Well, he got kicked out of Cambridge. He called that his year of beer, beer bewilderment and sorrow. <laughs> and, uh, poor guy and ended up at, at Columbia. <laughs> and through reading literature, through reading poetry, through doing journalism, um, you know, he had this sort of pull into mm -hmm. into God and had such a remarkable conversion experience. And next thing you know, you know, he's a Trappist monk in Kentucky. So yeah, not one to As be, per usual. Yeah, right. <laughs> These kids are such overachievers, you know. But I love that he he was so he, his spiritual life was became such a part of him, you know, from somebody mm -hmm. who had not identified himself as religious or spiritual to, to be fully in this in this life but he's this quote he would say what i wear is pants what i do is live how i pray <laughs> is i breathe and he says uh, which is like okay so uh, simple so simple and he says he 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 writes a prayer in which he says, my God, I pray to you better by breathing. I pray to you better by walking than by talking. And mm. um, so he, he, he talks about this injunction to pray without ceasing. And he links it to breath because he says, it's really quite simple. You must keep on breathing or else you will die. And he said, the only difference between this is breathing is instinctive, prayer is not. Yet prayer is as vital for the life of the soul as breathing is for the life of the body. We should mm -hmm. always pray and not give up. So I think he, uh, you know, by pointing us towards breath, he, of course, is reminding us of, us of something we already do, that mm -hmm. our bodies must do. And, um, and so... I don't know, it sort of brings prayer t down to me into mm -hmm. this, like, well, if, okay, if I can breathe, if I can, if I can breathe and I can pray. Yeah. And one of the beautiful passages from, from Thomas Merton, he says, you know, have you a garden? Well, take 15 minutes a day and just walk in the garden. And as, as thoughts come up as they do, mm -hmm. you know, let that be a part of your prayer and, mm -hmm know that you are already praying that God is with you. Um, Ugh, so so I just think, okay, all right, now we're talking about a prayer that I feel that I could do and that I yeah. want to do. Like I already, like you said, I'm already doing yeah. these things. Now the breathing thing is to me fascinating because, and this was part of the, I do a little spiritual kind of personal narrative in, mm -hmm. in the book where I talk about a breath exercise that I was asked to do at this retreat in the lodge and I was told to drop into my body and breathe and I just like all of a sudden like kind of panicked you know like I uh -huh. felt suffocated I felt afraid like mm -hmm. sometimes to be reminded to breathe is exactly the thing I don't want to do because mm -hmm. I feel uh -huh. anxious and I know like for my husband Charles like he really doesn't like breath exercises because it just <laughs> reminds him of breathing and then he, he he gets afraid so it's like that know. thing at the doctors when they tell you like just take your breath and then you're like I'm gonna hyperventilate <laughs> right, right. Like they have the stethoscope on your chest and you're breathing so hard you're gonna this can't be sounding good to you <laughs> yeah so for some yeah. people I'm like okay breathing it's like okay it brings up some stuff and that's mm -hmm. that's right that's real that's for a lot of people yeah but there are so many incredible breathing exercises out there on the online you know and i think we're more and more comfortable with mm -hmm. the thought of mindfulness the thought of breathing exercises the, the thought of breathing meditation mm -hmm. and um so i put a couple of those in the in the book like this breathe the box which is very very common yes um, recommended you know you 
you breathe in Vagal through your breathing. nose. Yep, but yep, through mm-hmm. the through count of four, you hold your breath, you let it out as for four, you hold it for another four. And I know, we know this from science, we know this from studies yeah. of our bodies that when we do this, we breathe in, and we hold it gently, we let it go. When we choose this action with our body that our emotions, our brains, like we do calm down. So mm-hmm. we know that the act of breathing with intention is a, a really beautiful tool, you know, yeah. for, for, for encountering discomfort, anxiety in yeah. our bodies. But this breathe with the breath of God, he says, um, I quote, Thomas Merton here and the the try this is to just highlight or underline words or phrases Mm -hmm. in the passage that hold meaning for you so you know my hope is that a reader with a highlighter or a pencil will just like sort of notice you know this is I'm not even saying do this I'm just saying huh Mm -hmm. like what are you noticing so the passage says through God's grace and the Holy Spirit We can learn gradually to inhale and exhale in a manner that is inexpressibly wonderful because it is divine. For then we shall be constantly breathing with the very breath of God. Let us take courage then and sing with the psalmist. I opened my mouth and gasped for breath because I longed for thy commandments. It is by prayer that we lay open our souls to God and seek to breathe his life. The supreme object of prayer is the fulfillment of God's will. So, Mm. yeah, I just chose this little passage. Yeah. And yeah, so the invitation here is, what do you notice? Like what holds meaning? And and I love the idea of breath prayer, which we've talked about on this podcast a few times and over various episodes. Um, but the simplicity of it that it's um, just not just a phrase that's meaningful, um, but that you're doing it on the inhale and exhale. Um, I I always do. I am on the inhale and beloved on the exhale, mm. um, and like the, the I am. Like it's a beholding of God, but also I am beloved. Um, and, and I, I mean, three breaths sometimes I don't sit there and do it for 20 minutes. So listeners, if you're hearing this, if you have a, a, a word or a phrase or, um, just an image maybe even in your mind for the inhale and the exhale, um, uh, that idea of breathing with the breath of God, um, with intention and to, um, to connect in that way and and making sure that if this is the one you choose that you're not also feeling panicky <laughs> right and that's <laughs> and yeah and i just want to i just only mention that because i know no it's people, important yeah people respond in different ways but mm-hmm. it's kind of like that's another interesting thing to notice right mm-hmm. it's like okay uh Maybe what's, you know, I don't know if everybody wants to go there, but it's something to think about. Like, why, why is this so uncomfortable for me? Right. What do you think? Yeah. I had Tara um, Tang on the podcast. I was, uh, interviewed her yesterday about embodiment practices. And Mm. she said, she was talking about how like, we always want to get there or arrive and do all of our work. And she said, we only go where the body gives full consent. And I think that's oh. a really great guardrail for yeah. any of these. Yeah. Um, but if yeah. the breathing ones feel like they make you too aware of it and then you start to hyper-focus on it, mm-hmm. don't choose that one. That's okay. Um, I want to move on. Of course, I chose St. Francis and Claire of Assisi. Um, yes. And the invitation I would love for you, if you could talk to us about under the sort of, it's of course called Do the Unexpected is their, mm. uh, their invitation, but the flip the script one particularly I loved. Oh, good, good. Well, um, so a little bit about Francis before I read, yeah. because I think it only really makes sense. You know, he was a child of privilege. He was a rich kid in Assisi, and yeah. his parents had this wonderful textile business. He was named Francis, and they called it, his nickname was like Frenchie, and um, he loved <laughs> to party with his friends. And, um, you know, they, they footed, he would foot the bill for, for all the, the parties out in the streets, and he loved to sing bad badly uh french ballads um but he long story but he ended up really changing his life and following jesus in a way that really um 
upset his parents, <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, as many uh, children do. And, you know, from sure. going to this, from this fun-loving rich kid uh, who was set to inherit his parents' business, you know, he returned his clothes to his father in the middle of the square, you know, stripped naked and said, you know, my father is God and went out into the countryside um, to live like Jesus would because he started reading the Bible, which, you know, can be uh, give you all kinds of, you know, wild ideas um, and reading that, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, was poor and Jesus slept on the ground and um, that Jesus said only take one coat, you know, there's Dorothy Day again, or take nothing for the journey. And he mm -hmm. just his challenge was, uh, how do I be more like Jesus? What would Jesus do? And that led him to, you know, touch lepers, to reject money. Like he wouldn't touch money. He would yeah. work, uh, I think, usually for food. And the Bible verse that says, don't worry about tomorrow. He would, he took it like, again, another extremist. He wouldn't even <laughs> soak lentils overnight because he's like, that's worrying. You know, if you're, if you're, planning for that i have another view on that but sure. anyway so to do the unexpected i think proverbs I think, 31 has another view on that as well exactly so there are plenty <laughs> of you know we can debate we can debate with francis but sure. what i value about his story was he took a life that was given to him and expected of him he had some real trauma he met G the jesus who invited him not only into sort of a harsh life of sacrifice but a life of freedom and joy like he was mm -hmm. liberated from all of his hang-ups um as a child of privilege and so the the yeah. the try this um one of the invitations i have is called flip the script and i write what items tasks and responsibilities are on your to-do list for this day now what would francis do would he mm -hmm. walk in the sunshine help out a neighbor, share the good news, fix something broken, sing with friends. Ask yourself, what is one unexpected joyful action I can choose to do today? What sacrifice might be required if I am to make that choice? Write down your Franciscan idea and then do it. Mm. So good. I'm so glad you like that one. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, the, let's see here. I think, oh, look, the last one that I had on our list is Brother Lawrence, returning to Brother Lawrence. Mm -hmm. I haven't talked about him this much in one day, maybe in my whole life. Um, <laughs> well, it's a good day. <laughs> the first time I heard of him, it was a pastor was talking about him, and they said that in his writing, he referred to the Lord as um, his thoughts on the, on the Lord as delicious. And he said, oh. that's real. That's really in it with the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Some of those, and some of those mystics, you man, like, whoa. You were. Um, but I, I, you I, I love so that. Yeah. He, he, the, the invitation is to sort of choose your intention. Um, and I love this as a sort of uh, spiritual counterpart to sort of the idea of like manifesting and goal setting and some of these things that are, um, you know, that we hear a lot about in sort of new age or right. uh, even like social media buzzwords and stuff. Can you, the specifically the make it and take it practice, mm -hmm. I would love if you could tell us a little bit about Brother Lawrence now that we've talked about him a bunch, mm -hmm. let people know who he is and then specifically make it and take it practice. Sure, yeah. So, you know, Brother Lawrence, again, he's talking about these brief, this brief little remembrance of God um, as being a really valid way of, important way of um, encountering God, remembering God throughout the day. And mm. so I think for me, I need a reminder because it's, it's one thing to start out my day um, remembering God or determining that this is what I will do and I will practice the presence of God in every single minute. Um, mm -hmm. But I need a lot of help. So post-it notes work for me <laughs> personally. Yes. <laughs> um, and so this idea of an um, antiphon, which is an old word from the Christian tradition, is mm -hmm. just a small utterance that encapsulates your intention. So exactly like you said, the idea of a mantra 
you know, at the beginning of a yoga class, it's often yeah. choose your intention. So I love that because I think we all have some level of comfort with that. It's familiar, sure. you know, so if somebody says yeah. choose your intention, like, okay, good. I get that. But <laughs> we can actually use scripture or even little fragments of poetry um, to become our int- intention for the day. So mm. um, this make it and take it, I have um, the invitation to pause to listen. What is your hope or desire right now? Choose one intention for your for your day. And so select or create an antiphon, a small utterance that encapsulates your intention. Let it be uncomplicated. Write it down and place it somewhere where you might see it. So it could be, again, a post-it note um, on the screen of your phone, whatever. Um, And I I put some sort of sample antiphons, some of my favorites, um, just as a reminder to choose something that's simple and that's for you. There's no magical one. Um, yeah. But the word, you know, like you said, I am the beloved, like that's a perfect one. So I think a breath prayer could be this this antiphon. But hmm. the, by the grace of God, I am loved. I am forgiven. I am cared for, you know, from Psalm 7. Yeah. I, I take refuge in you, Lord, my God, Brother Lawrence. I need only courage and willingness. Hmm. Um, Lawrence Kushner says, holy one of blessing. Your presence fills the universe. Your presence fills me. Um, one of my so favorite good. little poems by E.E. E. Cummings. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day. Um, hold me in the shadow of your wings. And then James Baldwin said, my crown has been bought and paid for. All I have to do is wear it. Um, mm. Which is wow. And Thich Nhat Hanh, conscious breathing is my anchor. And Brother Lawrence says, I resolve to begin anew, to remain with God as if I had never strayed. So, Mm. you know, for these examples, it's sort of like, what is it that you intend, right? That idea of intention. What is it that you need for Baldwin? You know, it is to live into the promise of the crown. Mm -hmm. Um, Write it down, keep it in front of you and just let it be there. You know, put it where you'll see it. Um, and let that be your intention. It's like the simplest thing in the world, right? It's like a, but it, um, it sort of grounds the day or it grounds the, this time. It's something that I want to start incorporating with podcast episodes. So I, I, my day is too unpredictable. I work from home. I have a lot of flexibility. I'm all over the place. My day is too, feels too big to set an intention for, but, um, I can make uh, you know, make and take it with, you know, what do I want listeners to get out of this episode? What do I want my guests to feel? What do I want to accomplish here? Um, and uh, often it's hospitality for both the listener and the guest. And um, and then to resource people well is one of my favorite things. But, um, but connecting people to like bringing helping people come home to themselves and to god and i that one feels like something i could cling to that one feels like a, a could be an antiphon yeah. and i'm i just want to invite listeners like if the if setting the intention for the day feels too big maybe you have a thing that you do uh, maybe it's for work that day or maybe yeah. it's for that meeting or maybe it's for that phone call even. exactly <laughs> i wish that you read my mind i was thinking that right <laughs> That is, yeah. yeah, I really, really love that. Um, that is, I just, I'm so, I, we, don't, we don't have, unfortunately, the time to talk about every single person in your book, which I um, would gladly do, um, but I do want to, of course, um, you know, commend people to it. The last question I want to ask, I'm asking this of all my guests, you can answer it silly or serious, okay. however long Good. or short. What is mattering most to you right now? Ah, what is mattering most to me? You know, honestly, right now, it's a person in my life. It's a family member. It's one Mm. of my children. Um, You know, he's in a time of transition. And Mm -hmm. I just, I just carry his, yeah, his need around everywhere I go. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's funny because it's, I think the things that matter most to us, we do carry them in our bodies. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, my mind comes and goes, I'm having a a very full day of wonderful meetings in this conversation. Um, But, you know, but part of me just carries him along. And, um, you know, and I think my intention there is, you know, to, 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 to turn that concern or that, 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 the burden isn't exactly the word, but to make it a prayer, you know, to breathe, mm. to breathe through it, to have an intention yeah. maybe for that, that situation, right? That It's almost that like person. practicing the presence though, mm-hmm. with yeah. him, like a little mm-hmm. bit throughout the day that, um, I like that. I like that idea. And I know, you know, things can always be complicated. I'm not trying to romanticize anything, but, no. um, but they can but also be simplified. I think it's, it, it is good though to simplify for me. Okay. Well, that was my conversation with Karen. I could have just talked to her for so long geeking out about these um, faith leaders. I hope we made it clear, but there are so many others in the book that, um, that, she covers and that that um the her the invitations to wonder uh, are there for and they are so uh, varied some of them are, are about gardening and planting trees some of them are about using your voice for justice issues um some are they're just um they're wide ranging and so i hope you will get her book um which comes out um this episode will air on monday july the 10th and her book releases on tuesday july 11th so make sure you pick that up i am so thankful to karen for joining me today you can find karen on instagram at her full name karen wright marsh uh, or on her website karenwrightmarsh.com. i'll link to these in the show notes as well really quickly i want to take just a second to remind you that the let it matter podcast does have a patreon community and we would love to have you join us there for as little as four dollars a month partners get exclusive content like additional episodes uncut interviews bible study and spiritual formation teachings and monthly matterings a private partners only zoom call with me that builds community as we dive deeper into recent episode topics to get instant access to all of these partner perks head over to patreon.com forward slash let it matter or let it matter.com forward slash podcast join me next week as we continue to make space for honor and name what matters and now according to our tradition as we close out i wanted to share a prayer with you um it's a famous prayer from thomas merton and um it was such a lifeline to me in various um seasons of doubt or confusion or not really knowing um what i believed about some certain things so i want to share this prayer with you right now it's not exactly a blessing or a benediction for you as the listener um, but i hope it is a blessing and an enrichment to your spiritual life if you just google thomas merton prayer um, you can find it pretty easily if you want to incorporate it into your own prayer life as well let's pray my lord god i have no idea where i am going i do not see the road ahead of me I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself, and the fact that I think that I am following your will doesn't mean I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. I hope I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen.